You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. For us to be lights. And you also may be thinking, okay, we're also told to not, left, not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That you are to go to your inner room and pray. Don't do it for show. We're going to hear that reading on Ash Wednesday in just a few weeks. So how do we reconcile this? And what is it meant to be a light? And so in our first reading today, we hear about what it means to be a light. And that first reading talks about sharing our bread with the hungry, sheltering the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked. Do not turn your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. And so it is in our goodness and in our charity that we hopefully become lights, not because we want to be seen, but our interior motivation is simply love of God and love of neighbor. And with Ash Wednesday coming in just a few short weeks, it's a good time to review how we are lights. And we also have a great guide and a great check in the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. And we have to remember that when we think of Lent, we think of prayer, almsgiving, and fasting, right? And so prayer is our relationship with God, almsgiving, our relationship with our neighbor, and fasting is the discipline to do them both. In other words, we have to practice how to give of self. It doesn't come naturally anymore. That was part of the fall. We become more self-centric in not recognizing that true life comes from giving up our lives in the state that we're in. That's what Jesus teaches us. And Jesus, of course, is the greatest light of all. He's the great light that came into the world, the perfect light. We are called to be little lights, or as bright as we can possibly be, recognizing that we're not going to be Jesus in one sense, but that we are actually being transformed into his image and likeness if we are allowing God to work within us by the gift of his grace. And so we look at the corporal and spiritual works of mercy and those teach us how to be lights. And so we think of in the corporal works of mercy, that's how we love our neighbor in body, corpus, corporal works of mercy. So we're called to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty. We're called to clothe the naked. We are called to shelter the homeless. We're called to visit the sick. We are called to visit those in prison or to ransom the captive. We are called to bury the dead. And those are all from Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel at the end in chapter 25 lists these corporal works of mercy where Jesus says, you have to do these for the least among you, and then you've done them for me. And so we have those corporal works of mercy, which is a great list to check. And then we also have the spiritual works of mercy. And those are geared towards the mind and the, and the soul. And so we think of the spiritual works of mercy. The first is instruct the ignorant, which I kind of have a little, I kind of giggle at that because it, it sounds pejorative, doesn't it? And demeaning, but let's recognize that all of us are ignorant in some ways or just some things we don't know. And we all were completely ignorant until we were taught about Christ, usually by our parents first. And so we say instruct the ignorant. It's just meaning to say that someone who doesn't know about Christ, that they are instructed. And I have questions sometimes and I have to go look them up. In that case, 
I thank God for the writer who put it there so I won't be as ignorant. So we don't think of it in a pejorative way, but rather as a state of being. Nobody knows it all. So instructing the ignorant, counseling uh, those who are doubtful. In other words, someone who maybe is struggling with the faith or doesn't understand it, we help them to understand. We also admonish the sinner. That's fraternal correction. Jesus gave us some very specific instructions on that, huh? You know, if you see your brother sinning, then go and approach him. And if he doesn't listen then, then go to two or three others to try to convince him and then take it to the church. So we have those three spiritual works of mercy, along with, hopefully, bearing the wrongs of life patiently, and then forgiving those, being willing to forgive those, comforting the afflicted, uh, and then praying for the living and the dead. And one of my jobs as pastor, by the way, is I go back and look at those, and I try to see, does our parish do those things? Do we have an active faith, or have we become a a parish that maybe is, you know, liking itself a little too much. We're just worried about growing in Christ, but we're not worrying about how we really grow in Christ, and that is bringing Christ to others in word and in deed. And we have to do that personally. Where do we individually do those works of mercy? I think of parents. Obviously, what they're doing are those first three in the sense of instructing the ignorant, instructing their children. And hopefully they are counseling any doubts that a child has if they have a question. And then correction. No, that's not yours, right? That's <laughs> not yours. Give it back. That belongs to your sister or a friend or whatever. But we have to basically go through those things in our lives to make sure that we are able to be the light that Christ wants us to be. And if we don't, then we're living a faith that is void is void of the love that actually gives us true life. And if we do those things, if we're able to do them in pure heart, not because we want attention, in pure heart, then we will be lights and people will be attracted to it. And that's really what light means, is that we are attracted to light. We are attracted to goodness. And Jesus brought to a dark world, a fallen world, a light a light of goodness to which we're drawn. It's written in our hearts, whether we know it or not. So I was trying to think of an example of this, and I think the best one that I could come up with was, was Mother Teresa. You know, think about her life and the impact she had. People wanted to be around her. People were drawn to her, whether they be the religious order she founded or politicians, whether it be popes and presidents and prime ministers, they wanted her at their table. And Mother Teresa, if you look at her, and I'm not trying to be funny, but she wasn't much to look at. You know, in the, in the world's definition of physical beauty, she it wasn't there. But if you look, saw some pictures of her eyes, yeah, the, the beauty was there. What a beautiful woman, a beautiful life. And a little woman from Armenia, born of very meager surroundings, and then moved to India. What a culture clash. How was she supposed to go and then goes to Calcutta? What made her such a great light? She wasn't particularly charismatic. I mean, she spoke. She spoke. The words were so deep and so wise. Get a book of her quotes and meditate on them. It's worth it. It's humbling. 
But what made her that light was the love that she showed and, and the tireless work that she did in the corporal works of mercy. And she also did the spiritual works of mercy. Those aren't as visible. But she would go to, uh, in India, when she would be there, she, uh, there was someone that reported to her that there were, I think, a thousand families, roughly, that were really, you know, on starvation mode. So she had some beans, bowl of beans. She started to go and said, Mother, where are you going? She goes, I'm going to take this food to those families. That's not enough food for those families. Are you crazy? It's not going to do a whole lot. She said, well, you know what? I can feed one or two. So I'll feed one or two. And she went. Well, before you know it, other people are bringing food. Why? They're attracted to that goodness. They know that they need to give in order to have life. And that's what it means to be a light, is to give first. Other people happen to see it and they're drawn to it. But we give first and we renounce self like Jesus did. And in our hearts, we know that is true goodness when someone does something selfless for us. When we see someone doing something that we know they are giving of themselves, then we are able to see, hey, that is so kind. That is something that Christ would do. That is something that maybe I can emulate. I'm drawn to that goodness, particularly when it's done in good cheer. God loves a cheerful giver. And so as we approach Lent and we think of the coming of Ash Wednesday, almsgiving is a euphemism for those corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We need to take an inventory. Where are we on that? Are we just living a life and checking boxes and doing what we need to do in our prayer routine, those kind of things? Or are we letting that be expanded into a gift of self to others, whether it be in the family first, that's the most important part. I don't know this to be experientially true, but I guess as an uncle of 19, and I've had to babysit on and off throughout my years, children can stretch you, they make you give of self. That's a, it's a great lessons. But you look at your family first, and then you look at your church community, and then we look at the greater community. And all of us are called to different gifts. All of us have different gifts. And that's why, as I mentioned, my job as a pastor is hopefully provide an outlet for us as a parish to be a light to the community where we help, we give, and we pray that we are able to feed those who are hungry who come to our door. And we, we do that. We've got the Mission Club and a lot of people who work in the Mission of Beautiful. We saw yesterday a lot of people were over at the new rectory getting it ready for construction. So kind of those people to give their day to come and do that. And then we had the instructions in our confirmation retreat. So we, I see these things, but we have to be vigilant about it. Two and a half weeks or so, or one and a half weeks, whatever it is, or two and a half. It'll be game time. Where are we going to look at almsgiving during our Lenten journey? And where are we going to see ourselves stretched and give of self as Christ did on the cross? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to honestly examine maybe where we need to be stretched and where we need to hopefully give of self more so that not only we are the light, but that we ourselves have the life that God wants to give us, the joy he wants to give us. We just have to make that act of faith that it actually works. And so this morning, as I said, as we prepare in the next couple of weeks 
Take a look at the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Take a look and see where are we doing those things? What is God calling us to do? Where do we need to stretch ourselves and give simply because of the good of the other? And then our light will shine all the more brightly and our continued conversion will bring us closer to Christ and closer to our salvation.